Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Here it is, another episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. My name is Mark Jolf. Thank you for checking out the show. Got a big one today. Got my guy Jason Warner-Smith. He's an actor you've seen in many movies and TV shows, but many of us remember him as Gavin on The Walking Dead. We're going to talk to him about his career, what he's doing now, and his time on The Walking Dead. But before we do that, let's heed the word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. This is the Infinite Banter Podcast. Once again, my name is Mark Jolliffe. Thank you for checking out the show. Thanks to everybody who's retweeted, listened, posted, done all those things. Greatly appreciated. Definitely want to encourage everybody out there who's listening to check out the last episode with hip-hop artist Eddie Kane. If you have not heard that episode, definitely go back and check it out. Check out his music, his new album, 1224, and check out eddiekane.com. Eddie Kane is doing big things, so definitely check him out. On today's episode, you know, The Walking Dead just came back for a little mini, uh, I don't know, I guess it's 10C part of their season 10. It's like an extended six episodes and four of them already aired. Perfect timing. Got a chance to talk to, you know, one of my favorite actors from the show. And, you know, he played a role that I can relate to a guy who was just always (laughs) just kind of seemed like he wanted to be doing something else. He played Gavin on The Walking Dead. Jason Warner Smith is on the show today. And of course, he's done many other things we'll talk about, movies and TV shows he's done, and his wonderful documentary, Learning to Fly, where he took his Triumph Bonneville motorcycle and rode it cross-country, and uh, it's really a really great, great little film, and definitely recommend everybody watching it. We'll talk about that as well, so stay tuned for that. Jason Warner Smith is on the episode today, and I do want to get into a, uh, a funny cigarette story at the end of the podcast here, so stay tuned for that. I don't smoke, but it's a story that's... Uh, You'll see. I'll you just stay tuned. That's a teaser. You'll go ahead and check that out if you're into uh, hearing about somebody who has no idea about smoking. Tell a story about smoking. So there you go. All right. This is the Infinite Banter Podcast. You can listen to it on all digital platforms, usual places like Spotify, iTunes, CastBox, Podcast.com. Go to Apple Podcasts. Listen to it there. Rate and review the show. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Infinite Banter. And you can find clips of the show on YouTube 
Just put in the search Infinite Banter. All right, let's get into it. Jason Warner-Smith is here. Had a lot of fun talking to him, and let's bring that interview to you right now. But before we do that, as always, this show never begins until the one and only, the legendary king himself from Queens, DMC, says these words. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. You're tuned into the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am Mark Jolliffe, and right now I am thrilled to be joined by, he's an actor, musician, teacher. He rides a Triumph Bonneville motorcycle. We'll have to ask him about that as well. And you've seen him in various movies and TV shows like Rectify, 42, Birth of a Nation, 99 Homes, Sleepy Hollow. And of course, y'all know him as Gavin on The Walking Dead. The one and only Jason Warner Smith is here on the Infinite Banter Podcast. How you doing, Jason? I'm fantastic, Mark. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I mean, it's so much to talk to you about here. Before we get into The Walking Dead and some of the cool stuff, uh, let's go back. How did you get your start in acting? How long have you been you know, doing this? When did you first start doing it? Well, I don't want to bore you with too long of a story. <laughs> um, it is called Infinite Banter, so you can go on as long as you want, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to bore me with this story. Um, so... Um, when I was about nine years old, uh, my mother, uh, was, uh, what was, what we call a homemaker now was a homemaker back in the day. And she had time on her hands to work in, uh, the arts. She's not an artist, but she's an organizer. And so she and some other women like herself and, and some men too, but mostly the ladies, this is, you know, the early seventies, um, or mid seventies. They formed this group uh, called the South Cobb Art Alliance. Cobb County, Georgia is what that's about. And long story short, they had, you know, um, drama classes for their kids to give them some culture. And so <laughs> I called, yeah, you know, we're in the, we're in the, you know, we're in the deep South here. So we, we did plays, basically a bunch of kids doing plays. Our parents came to see them and I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and then that graduated into um, high school. And I did some theater in high school. I was never frontline in high school, but in this South Cobb Art Alliance, they, they called it the Cobb Children's Theater and the Cobb Teen Theater. I was doing better there. And plus I was working with a bunch of kids from all the other schools in the county. So I was meeting people from outside my little bubble of South Cobb, um, which was probably not the cultural hub of the county. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So to speak. So it was, you know, eye opening and I learned a lot, met a lot of new cool people and I had a lot of fun. You know, it was it was I, I wasn't good at Little League. I mean, I played it, but I wasn't very good. I wasn't sports inclined, but I was I did good at this. It wasn't great and just enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed that. I never thought of it as an art form. It was just a recreation, it was something to do. And then it moved into college and I started hanging out with real actors, people who, you know, that was their livelihood waiting tables and doing other jobs and acting and or just being professional actors. Right. Huh. Interesting people. So I did that and got involved in the Atlanta community theater world and enjoyed doing that. And um, it wasn't until I was about 22, I guess, that the idea of getting paid money to do this for a living. <laughs> That's always helpful, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just, you know, it never really crossed my mind or to work on camera. I'd right. never done that. So long, you know, again, eventually I, I was Atlanta back in the 80s. There was nothing going on here. 
you know, every now and then Burt Reynolds might make a movie and that was about it, you know. <laughs> and so there were a lot of commercials and industrials and things like that. I got an agent, dipped my toe in the water, fiddled around with that. And by the end of the 90s, uh, the beginning of the 90s, the end of the 80s, I moved to Los Angeles thinking I'm going to make it as a movie star in Los Angeles. And that lasted for three years. I parked a lot of cars, did not become a movie star in Los Angeles, and came back to Atlanta and got back into theater. Right. Said, All right. It's going to be a hobby. This is a recreational thing for me. And I opened up a, a retail company where I sold blinds and shades and things like that to put in people's homes because I'd learned that trade out in Los Angeles because I was hanging them as a blue-collar guy. Gotcha. And did pretty well. And uh, then around 2008, when the Georgia legislature passed this whole tax incentive deal, which drew all this business here to the state of Georgia, um, I still had this agent, and she's like, Jason, are you still in it? I'm like, I don't know. What's going on? She goes, well, things change. You might want to jump back in. I'm like, okay. You know, and I updated my headshot and all that. And and then um, the first big break I got, I did some like a little TV show here and there. The first big break I got was uh, I got a part on the remake of Footloose back in 2000. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it. Is there any yeah. dancing that you do in that? Did you uh, have a dancing background oh. or anything? Sure. No, no <laughs> dancing. I played the local cop, and so, but it was a great gig because I only really worked on camera about three or four days. But due to the way that movies are made, I was on the schedule for like five weeks, and I made a lot of money. And I was like, oh, oh, this is how you make a living. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm hot. This is it. But no, uh, nothing happened for years after that, and didn't make money like that again for a long time, and. Then I started learning how this business works and learned what my deficiencies were. You know, that one, I just kind of got lucky on it. I had the right look with the right accent and the right attitude, the right essence and the right place at the right time and booked that part, which is how most parts get booked anyway. Um, and so I started circulating in that world. And so uh, things ramped up so fast here in Atlanta. And the next big break was with Rectify. Uh, Ray McKinnon, uh, who I had met when I lived in Los Angeles. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, we were acquaintances. I wouldn't say we were friends, but we knew each other. I had his phone number. Anyway, he had this show Rectify, and through another long story I won't bore you with, I ended up booking a role on that, and that changed a lot of things. That was another big stepping stone, a big learning experience. And then, of course, the next big... Break. I, I made I made a, quite a few movies in between that and Walking Dead, and I auditioned for The Walking Dead in season two, three, four, five, and oh, six. Oh wow! Didn't get 
but they liked me. And, and the casting people kept coming back to my agent and said, tell Jason to be patient. Scott Gimper really likes him, but he just hasn't found the where to plug him in yet. And that sounds real nice, but from an actor's perspective, it's like, I want it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and luckily, you know, I was, even though I was not as patient as I should have been, um, the role that I got plugged into of Gavin could not have gone any better other than I got to survive you know, right. the five years. That's the only thing. That right, you'd still be better. on the show. That'd be great, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd still be there. I'd be hanging out with Cooper Andrews, you know, and having some fun. But, um, because we became friends during that time, and even though we both grew up here, I, we'd never met before. So, um, and you know, Josh and I both got whacked after season eight, but that was a, a wonderful experience. And um, the reason I'm here today, I don't think you'd be interviewing me if I hadn't been on that show. No, probably I'm not. Yeah, I would love to say that I, I would be, but no, <laughs> that's definitely what got me acquainted with you, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's a very. To, to have been a hometown Atlanta, I was born here. So to be a, a Atlanta native who gets to book a decent, good, you know, run on a on one of the top shows in the world and work from home was is just yeah, I would have never believed it. And to get to work with the likes of Lenny James on a daily wow, basis, right? I would never have believed that that was going to happen in a million years. You know, I've also gotten to work with a lot of other famous people, but not to the extent that I got to work with Lenny. I mean, we became, you know, helping each other out. I mean, you know, we're not best friends or anything like that. We do have each other's phone numbers, but I don't bother him. He's a busy man. Every now and then I'll shoot him a text and go, hey, dude, I saw you in something. You were great. And he'll be like, hey, how are you? And that'll be. But what? yeah, he's, he's uh, great. Well, he listens. So I'm sure he'll he'll tell That's me. Short. Yeah, of course. I told you it'd be long. I, I tried to make it short. I'm sorry. We we got a delay. I'll shut up and let you talk. <laughs> no, no, man. <laughs> like I said, the show's called Infinite Banjo, so you can go on even longer if you wanted to. But uh, yeah, it sounds like Georgia really became like a, a hubbub of acting and movies and filming and things. So the timing couldn't be better. I'm guessing that's really what started things off for you. Like you said, I mean, the Georgia becoming what it's become with TV and film really made a big difference for you and other actors in the area. Atlanta has turned into a wonderful place. Now, this is all due to the fact that we have this wonderful tax incentive program here, which brings the business in. It's stayed in place for 13 years now, which has allowed infrastructure to build, and there's been a lot of that. So if suddenly tomorrow the state legislature, who's doing a lot of other stupid things right now here in Georgia, uh, decided to pull the plug on this deal, it would have a major negative impact on that because Hollywood is a business and they're here for the money. However, I don't think it would be a complete disaster like it might have been. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chum. Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Eight years ago, because the infrastructure wasn't there, and there's enough businesses here and enough powerful business people, I, in my opinion, I don't have facts on this. I don't have any data. But in my opinion, there's enough money invested into this system now that, as you and I both know, the people who get people elected uh, are rich people that own companies, and if they've got money invested in this, they don't want to see it go away. So I'm hoping that they will continue to graft this thing on through. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're talking about on The Walking Dead, you had tried out for a couple of different roles in season two, season three. Do you know what those roles were, or were they just tryouts for anything? And uh, how did the Gavin part eventually land in your lap? Well, I'm sure if you've interviewed anybody else from this show, you know that they don't send us uh, actual uh, scripts from the show. They give us right. what they call dummy sides. You know that. I've only been able to figure out about three of them. Um, one was very obvious. I was reading for the role of Richard. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I read for that. I read for the part of Jared that, that Josh played. That was obvious because he and I read both read for both roles. You needed longer hair um, probably, so. Well, you know, you know <laughs> that part's more him. My part was more me, uh, even though Josh is one of the sweetest, nicest, most caring, yeah. loving movie dudes on the planet. But he can also play that real asshole really well. Yes, he can. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's a he goon. That <laughs> right. So, uh, well, you know, he's got, you know, uh, this is part of the business. He's got that look, you know, mm-hmm. and I've got a little bit of a sinister look, and I play a lot of sinister cats, too. I, I think I, I, I know for a fact I read for the, the role of the doctor in Slabtown when they were back in the city in the hospital. Oh, right. The guy cooking up hamsters or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, the guy that had all the, the paintings and stuff in right. his office. And, and the guy that played that role was, is an, I don't know his name, I don't know him, but I've seen interviews with him and read his resume, and he's an outstanding actor. Yeah, he was great. Um, and an artist in general. Uh, I wish I remembered his name now, but I have no qualms with you know, him getting that role. He was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read for The Wolf guy who gets captured i think that's what i was reading for feels like that was the one but other than that i couldn't tell you yeah um, oh i read for alicia witt's husband in the, the oh right the yeah the and guy carol shot that. that was dying for most of the episode right and yeah they got trapped in that place and right i had some other friends in that the guy the guy that booked it, he's from Florida, a very well-respected actor, and you know he did a great job. Fortunately for me, I didn't get that role because it was a one-off. Um, I'm right. happy that I got the role that I did. I'm sorry if that's disappointing to him, but that's, <laughs> that's what it is, baby. Right. And I have had Vincent M. Ward, who played in season three. He was one of the, uh, the inmates. He played um, Oscar. And then, of course, Joshua Michael, who you know well, he was on yeah. with me uh, last summer. Uh, he 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 was a trip, man. I love talking to Josh, and uh, yeah, he called himself. He just he's a goon. He basically plays a goon in a lot of these movies, but uh, and of he's, course on Walking Dead. He's good at it, man. Yeah, you should get. Uh, let's let's talk about getting Lou Temple on here to talk. Oh, to you. He's, he's a great, great yeah. Guy. And him and Vincent worked obviously together, and uh, yeah, yeah. He he definitely has that look too. He he could play different parts, and uh, Lou but, is a, a wonderful human as well. Oh yeah, yeah. From what I've seen in interviews and stuff, he seems like a great guy, of course, and. Uh, mm-hmm. So working with Josh, I mean, I'll, he, when he came out here, he did a lot of impressions. Do you do any impressions? I'll ask you that off top. If you, if you don't want to do any, that's okay. Yeah. 
he was doing. He didn't an, know that Josh did impressions. Yeah, he did a Nicolas Cage yeah. impression when he came on here. He did an Arnold Schwarzenegger one. Uh, he did Josh a bad. Michael. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did a Bill Cosby one, and he, and he apologized while he was doing it. I'm like, that's all right. That's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Nicholas Cage, that's great. No. I mean, I do very poor, uh, laughable impressions. <laughs> it's on you. You don't have to if you don't want to. But... Now, every, I think, you know, and this is one that needs a lot of work, but I think, you know, everyone uh, is going to be terrible at it now because. Uh, oh, I see. Just, you know, uh, pineapple is good. I like <laughs> to eat it. I'm stealing that from Jay Moore. But he does a great impression of him. He is the guy, um, yeah, for that you know, for that impression for I sure. Do, I, I do a week walking. Uh, Champagne, right? That was always the bet in SNL. You know, you've got the wet garments, right? right? <laughs> I don't, I, I, most, most of your listeners won't even know who this is because he's oh. so old and dead now. <laughs> he loved, loved his rabbit Harvey, and um, maybe they like Christmas movies. That's my lame Jimmy Stewart. That would, or or, or very very tired Mitch McConnell. <laughs> he could double as both. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sad that one of them's alive and the other one's not. Yeah, um, you could definitely go there on that one. <laughs> oh no! I remember, uh, of course, it, to the you know, since my impression of Jimmy Stewart's so bad, a lot of people go John Wayne. Is that John? No, it's oh, not John. Jeez. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. he's a guy who's not here anymore, so it's fifty percent good. Exactly. <laughs> but that no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not known for my impressions. Maybe I'll think of another one later. But I, I do. I, I can do uh, dialects pretty well, uh, especially those from the English and Irish areas. Oh, oh okay. I can't, do, I can't. I can't do Scottish to save my butt. Wow. I just. I try. I've even been to Scotland twice, and I'm like, I can't, I can't nail it. And you know, and my British is not very specific. It's just kind of like the American version of Britain, right. like Monty Python American or version. something. Or <laughs> I watched a lot of Monty Python as right. a kid, so all my British accents come from there. And uh, I've done Irish in a play one time, and so that was fun. So, but yeah, and I'm sorry, I had no idea Josh did. Yeah, he's down. really yeah. good. He 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 did. Um, I, I'm not really a big fan of Lord of the honest. Rings, but the little guy with the ring. Uh, uh what's his name? Frodo. Oh, yeah. Not, I mean, not Gollum. I've heard him do his Gollum. Yeah, yes, I have heard that. That one, he you know, spot on. I'll have. Well, you know, the thing is, usually when we're together, you got Ross Marquand there, and we all just shut up and listen. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's the king. Yes, he is. <laughs> What was it like working with Josh and that whole cast? So you talked about Lenny James earlier and you had Kari Payton. I mean, you guys worked really close together during the scenes with the Saviors and the Kingdom. Josh is a complete asshole. I'm yes, he is. No. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, Josh and I knew of each other, but we had never really spent any time. Never really, We'd never hung out together, ever. I really met him on the set of The Walking Dead as like two human beings getting to know each other. And our relationship is great. I mean, again, he lives about five miles that way, but we don't hang, of course, with the pandemic, nobody's hanging out. Right. We don't really hang out together. Um, It's not that we don't like each other. It's just, you know, we got other things that we do. Um, But no, he's just the most, he is a Renaissance man. I mean, he plays the drums. He can can do, you know, draw and paint. 
writes, um, acts. So you know, I'm I'm not jealous, but I'm uh, envious. I guess <laughs> is the same word. But it's just like I, I I'm impressed and just happy to be a friend of his because of his. Uh, you know, he has talents that I was not born with. Yeah, we played a couple yeah, of his songs on the episode I did with him. So he was told me he's he's in a he's in a yeah. band and everything. I'm like, oh wow, let me hear some of your music. You know, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's 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 done it all, and he and he's living the life. I mean, that's what he does. I I don't know when was the last time he had a regular job. I I don't know when that changed for him. Right. He's it's been wonderful to to have him be a part of my life. We spend more time together at you know, Comic-Cons than we do in, in real life. Now, I don't know if we'll ever have that opportunity right. again because the, the pandemic and also the way that the world works, our characters were not big enough on the show to where when all the new cast comes in, we kind of drop off and right. they bring in, you know, not, we weren't regulars. I mean, we could go if we were invited, but, you know, it's kind of like our time is, is over. We're actually <laughs> doing one in, um, and, you know, we knew that was coming. Uh, the person who puts those things together or, or is, manages, right. the same manager, he's like, you know, I don't know if this will work, but if it does, it'll last a while and then it'll be over. Unless you book, you know, Firefly or you book Star Trek or you book Star Wars, then, you know, you'll get back in. Um, and we haven't, or at least I haven't. Right. Um, um, we were doing one, though, uh, in May. I think it's May, called The Camp. It's down in Sonoy. Uh, Sonoya, however you say it, down in near the set of uh, The Walking Dead. So that'll be fun to get back and see some of the fans and see Josh and hang out. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be hot by then and, and we'll be outdoors and it'll be you know nice and breezy. So I've yeah. been to a couple so, of the Walker Stalker cons and a lot of these conventions, so it's I kind of miss it. It's been yeah. over a year since I've been to one, obviously. So Right. I mean, I went to Atlanta twice, New Jersey and Chicago. Those are the only Walker Stalkers I did, but I had a wonderful time at all of them. Uh, the last one in Atlanta was kind of a, I mean, I'll say it, it was a shit show. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, I mean, the, 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 that's when the wheels were coming off the wagon for that whole system. And it right. was like, total obvious. And But I still enjoyed seeing the fans and meeting everybody. But as far as like how the show was run, a lot of people got treated really badly. Um, there's two people out there right now that I owe money to because they never got their picture made with me, but I can't find them. So if anyone's oh. listening, if you're two people that were supposed to get your picture made uh, with me and you paid $35 or whatever it was, I would happily pay you back if you can prove it was you. <laughs> so I just feel terrible about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because people go there with the idea of meeting the celebrity and, you know, doing all that and yeah. Yeah, to, to go through it and not have that physical souvenir in your hand. Yeah, I guess that, that would be... That'd, that'd be rough. Cool. I mean, maybe they came by my table and they got a you know an autograph, but we didn't have the professional picture right. that they paid the extra money and waited in line for. So I just you know I still got paid for it, but we never made the picture, and I just want to give the money back to them. So so if you guys uh, are listening, you, you yeah, if you're listening, <laughs> find me. Um, I was talking. Uh, you were asking about Lenny James. Now that's yeah, and you'd mentioned him earlier too. Yeah, he was just a phenomenal yeah, actor, he, of course. Yeah, I don't know how much you know about him, but that dude, I mean, he, you know, unless I've been misinformed, I mean, he came from nothing. I mean, I think he told me, if I'm wrong about this, correct me, world, but, you know, he was, and he wasn't shy about it. He, you know, he grew up in an orphanage. You know, he was a poor, young black man living in London and had talent and luckily, but I don't know how, what his journey was, but he rose up to the top of where he needed to be in that world and is just, I, you know, I, I watched uh, 
Blade Runner 2049 again the other night just to watch it a second time to kind of, and I liked it so much better the second time. The first time it just went by so fast. Right. Um, and he is just incredible. Again, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Fucking hysterically yeah. funny. And then I saw some ridiculously bizarre, over-the-top <laughs> movie he was in with um, uh, Guy Pierce. And it's like a prison on the moon or a prison oh, on a satellite. It's just <laughs> all over the top, silly. Uh, but he, you know, he's great in it. And he, I, 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 that's when I like text, dude. I just saw you in this marvelously ridiculous movie with Guy Pierce, and he goes, "Yeah, that was great. We shot that in like, I don't know, uh, Budapest or something crazy like that." And I said, "Well, I hope they paid you a lot because the movie's just a mess." He goes, "But you're great in it." <laughs> Not enough. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> enough said. <laughs> to, 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 to have the one-on-one mano-a-mano um, acting moments that the writing team gave he and I to be able to work like that with someone. Because before I was on the show, if and, and still to this day, everybody says, what's your favorite episode of The Walking Dead ever? And it's clear. It was the greatest yeah. for me as an actor. I mean, after I watched that episode, I was like, just give him the Emmy now. Right, just hand right. it to him. <laughs> and he didn't get nominated. I was like, what? Yeah. You know, best, best star appearance or something. I was like, it was just his performance was amazing in that. And so to get to just work with him and, you know, in the trenches and, you know, sweating in the woods of Georgia together and, and doing all that great stuff, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, the scene where he chokes Richard to death, you know, you could. Gavin kind of has a look on his face, like I work with Negan, and this guy's—he's on something else. He's on another level of disturbed. Uh, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> that, that definitely scared Gavin. You know. Yeah. So, but just yeah, I just enjoyed being you know as a person. You know, just working with him as a as a fellow actor uh, who's got my back. Right. And, and you know, and, and not that anybody else wasn't like that, but he and I had you know he. Josh, Kari Payton, those are like my three, like my scene buddies, my scene partners. Now, of course, Cooper was, Cooper Andrews was there, but we weren't really having a scene together. We were in a scene together, but it wasn't the two of us. It was always Kari and myself, Lenny and myself, or Josh and myself. That was good. And then in season eight, when I moved in with the whole gang at the, uh, at the, what do they call it, the sanctuary, Megan and all those guys, it was such a different experience because now i'm sitting at the table with all series regulars and and me right just a, a get a recurring guest <laughs> star um, i'm i'm doing air quotes yeah there you go <laughs> um and so that experience was not as i'm not knocking those guys i was the new guy i was right. the fng they didn't know me and they have you know they had their repartee they had their jokes they had their relationships and it's a it's a weird dynamic, um, and this you know for people who were not in this business, it's a weird dynamic. Now again, and this is just my experience. It doesn't mean that it's universal, but the experience I've had when you're dealing with that is that you know series regulars they're paid a whole lot more money than we are, but we're doing the same exact job. Right now on the set, off the set, their job is a lot more. Uh, they have a lot more to do. They're being flown around. They're having to do promo shots. They're going out and doing, you know, talking about the show and doing interviews. And you know, that's a lot of work. 
and they get paid for it, but it's a lot of responsibility. I mean, the show kind of, you know, I don't mean this in a, in a racist or wrong-headed way, but the show owns them, right. you know, because that's why they get paid so much. You know, that, they work for them. And we don't. We get done on, you know, when we, when we wrap out on, a, on an episode, we go home and we might get called for another episode. We might not, <laughs> you know. And then there's kind of this gray area between where there's people that are not series regulars, and they're, but they're heavily recurring guest stars that get a guarantee. Like, okay, we're going to guarantee you'll get paid for eight episodes. We may or may not need you, but to keep you on staff and so you don't cut your hair and go do another project, we're going to pay you. But it just it causes a really strange dynamic when you've got someone, and again, it might have just been me, but you've got this new person coming in to this group of people who spend a lot of time together. And they weren't bad or mean. It was just I was kind of the new guy. Right. So I wasn't in that. We didn't have a common experience like Kari and, uh, and, and Josh and Cooper and Carlos and everybody else that was in that group in that parking lot, we all started on the same day, you know, except Lenny. Right. And Lenny, you know, uh, and I got to spend a lot of time with him. So. Well, that actually yeah. fits, though, because as a viewer, it always felt like Gavin was the one savior who, this is how I took him as, like, somebody who really didn't like being that job. Like, he was a guy who went to work every day. It was like somebody who manages, like, a store or something. And he goes to work, he punches a clock. But when something goes wrong, he's like, oh, shit, I, I got to do this. Uh, all right. You know? <laughs> so I can relate to him because we've all had jobs that we do but don't necessarily like them. <laughs> it always felt like Gavin would rather be doing something else, but this is what he's doing now. And yeah. he's dealing with these, you know, ultra egos and crazy people. But <laughs> that's what it felt like as a, as a viewer. Is that how you portrayed Gavin? Yeah, I mean, that's what it evolved into. Right. Um, I mean, that's the thing about doing multi-episode television is that the characters evolve over time. And because what happens is, uh, if you're fortunate, like I was, the writers start writing to you. Um, they figure out, like, oh, okay. Because I, I, I can remember it distinctly because my first day, uh, my first episode, we only Josh and I only worked one day. We were in, we were out, and then we were gone for months because we were that was episode two or three i can't remember which it was now of season seven and then we didn't come back until like episode 10 or eight or something like that and so between the time we shot that first one and based upon what they saw me do in that first one and how i was portraying gavin because not everybody gets to see that just the nicotero the director and the showrunners and you know producers and writers i guess watch the audition and, and then they'll adjust the script a little, maybe, I don't know. But then after seeing my performance, they're like, okay, yeah, 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 this is Gavin's middle management. He doesn't want us to wrote, you know. And so they wrote that way. And I can remember because my director on the first episode was Nicotero. Um, he's the one that actually got me hired, so I, I'm in forever in debt to him. My second director was Jeff January who um, I had not met until that day. He kept, after every take, he's like, grumpy dad, grumpier dad, grumpier and grumpier. That's what he wanted, and that's how the script was kind of written, and that's how I, you know, Gavin evolved into this, you know, pissed-off guy that just, let's get this over with, you know. It's a, a character yeah. that they hadn't really had on the show before. So it was it was such an honor to be given the responsibility of carrying that through that short time that I was on the show. Yeah, he never really felt like a villain. He just kind of felt like a reluctant, you know, 
bad guy, but yeah. if if yeah. the if tables are turned, he oh. would be the same guy on the other side. He just kind of like, oh, you yeah, got to do well, this today, got, like, ah. Yeah, and he and honestly, at the core of all that, Gavin's a coward. That's why he's there. Right. You know, I don't know. We don't know how he fell in with the saviors, but my imagination tells me that you know he was with another group. The saviors came in. And they killed off some people and said, now you're with us. And he's like, now I'm with you. Yep. <laughs> there you go. I'm Liv Negan. <laughs> and, and then he, you know, and he had really good managerial skills and he got stuff done and he's reliable and he got, you know, so he rose up the ranks and that's how, you know, and he, he didn't cause trouble and he, he didn't threaten Negan uh, and he, you know, got shit done. And so, and, you know, it didn't matter what mood he was in. He just got it done. There was a line they wrote. I was, uh, it was after I was dead. They didn't know I was dead. And Negan was talking to Simon, I think. And they're like, hey, you know, if we heard from uh, Gavin from uh, Chemical, I guess, don't worry about Gavin. He's dry and tight. He'll, 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 you know, be back. You know, they trusted and, and respected Gavin. They didn't want to hang out with him, but right. he got the job. Yeah. Right. But little did they know, he had a stick through his neck. So, <laughs> You got to talk about that. So, how far in advance? You always hear about the stories when actors know that their time is coming. How far in advance did you know that Gavin's time was basically going to expire? And then, of course, we were led to believe Morgan was going to be the one to do in Gavin, but it was actually Young Henry with the staff. And I'm sure you've done pictures yeah. at cons with the neck thing too. I'm sure people ask you, "Hey, can you right. stand next to this fake stick or whatever?" But uh, yeah, what'd you know about yeah, that yeah. scene going out into it? Yeah, I got. It's funny. Uh, my demise was at the opening of the second half of the season. So there was a four week break in shooting and they do that. They shoot from May until August and they take a month off and then they pick back up or last week in July. They, I don't remember how they break. Maybe it's after the 4th of July. They break for 4th of July and they come back in August, something like that. And that's why the season has a break in the middle of it because they take a break in the middle of shooting, at least before the pandemic. So it was my last night of working on uh, episode eight where I capture uh, Ezekiel and we had just wrapped and the sun's, it was a night shoot and the sun's peeking through the, you know, through the trees, it's, the sky's lighting up and we're, we're wrapping up and, I, and I, I, I don't look at my phone much while I'm working and so I pulled my phone out, turned it on and there's a voicemail from Scott Gimple I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> I was car. I remember Carter was sitting uh, sitting next to me. I said, "Carter, I turned my phone and said, he's like, ah, damn, man." And I was like, "You probably already knew because you're a regular <laughs> and you knew this already." But um, or he was he was a guarantee. I think at that point you hadn't had made made regular. Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, hey Scott, give me a call. I'm like, no, I don't want to. So I called <laughs> the next day and he apologized profusely and said, "Hey man," and I was like, "I got it." You know, and here's my dear John. But so I had. A month before I got killed because because of the break. Now, if it had been not on that particular break, I guess I would have had a week or two notice. And I didn't see the script until after the break was over. And then when I got the script, I was thrilled. Up until the point I realized, oh, yeah, this is the episode where Carl <laughs> fucking dies. Nobody's <laughs> gonna even remember me. I'm. I mean, I'm like, no, they're not gonna, you know. But I'm. But I got a, a, a great week of work out of it. I got all that time with Lenny. And I got all that time with Nicotero because he was directing it. Right. That was awesome. But everything was all about Carl, Carl, Carl. You know. And, and Chandler's a wonderful person, so you know, I wasn't pissed about that. But it was just like, 
no one's going to remember this. Oh. And sure enough, they're like, when did you die? I forgot what happened. Yeah. And I explain it. They're like, oh, yeah. You know, there's a my, my joke I tell around that is so we, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember a woman named Farrah Fawcett? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm over 40. So that Charlie's Angels. Okay. And, yeah. You remember Farrah Fawcett? Yeah. You remember when she died? It was the same day as Michael Jackson, if I'm right. Yeah. That you're one of the few. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Farrah Fawcett and Chandler's Michael Jackson. So <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe somebody's got your poster on the wall with their red bikini or whatever. Because <laughs> you have them like right here behind me. You know? Right. <laughs> that's anyway. oh, that's a good way to put it, though. Yeah. You're unfortunately a lot of us forgot that Gavin died in that same episode, and I didn't remember it, so you just brought up that it is the same episode with Carl. So and you get killed by basically Diet Carl, the, the the guy who takes Carl's place on the show essentially for next year or so, whatever. Who's that? Uh, you know the young Henry. He kind of takes over the storyline from the comic books that Carl oh, yeah, would have yeah, 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 lived yeah. with, you know, with the whispers He's and got everything. Got his head on a stick. Where yeah. it belongs. <laughs> Gavin's revenge. <laughs> well, what's funny is uh, that's uh, Maxon, right? Maxon Lentz. No, but his brother took over. Right. Uh, what's his name? The other Lentz. Their mother, and of course Madison, who played. Kid, the girl way back in the day, Carol's daughter, their mother, uh, Kelly Collins Lentz, and I are friends. She, they're from here, and she and I played husband and wife in a movie years ago together. So it's like this real incestuous kind of thing going on there. <laughs> I'm friends with her husband, and, uh, and anyway, and that whole I've met most of them, but anyway, um, what was really nice though is like you know, I said all my goodbyes, everything was lovely, and then I thought I was done, and then uh. I get a call, you know, two weeks later. He's just like, hey, Walking Dead wants you back on the set. And I'm like, what? I'm, what? Just a flesh wound. He's back. He's fine. You're going to do my backstory? What the <laughs> hell, you know? So found out that I got to play that ghost, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. But, it, you know, it kind of, like, ruined the whole, hey, I'll see you later, buddy. And yeah. Kinda, everybody's like, what are you doing? I thought we said goodbye. I'm like, you know, I got this whole I got this thing I got to do. But it was nice to have that little extra something. Yeah. something. The only thing, I, the only disappointment I had, and again, this is just pure ego, is that I did not get invited to appear on The Talking Dead because it would have been the same episode as the Carl Goodbye. Oh, right. They weren't about that. It, it would have been stupid and awkward to have me there. Oh, by and the I, way, I, I right, totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. Doesn't mean I like it, but right. I totally get it. Because I, I would imagine if if it had just been me dying that episode, they, they would have invited me out and um, didn't get to do it. It's like the old Johnny Carson talk show when they ran out of time for the for the musician or the well, juggler or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you were the juggler. I was sitting in the green room like, what? Been uh, practicing all yeah. week. Uh, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it's funny you brought up the ghost thing because I brought that up with Joshua, you know, how he came back as the ghost haunting Morgan and... And props right. to you because you had tweeted the American werewolf in London scene where they used for the for the reference point for Joshua Michael's character when uh, when right. Nicotero was like, "Hey, this is who you're playing. You're 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 kind of uh, playing homage to that movie." So yeah, know, that that was really cool that you, you put that up there. I don't really have a question. I just like thank you for doing that because I wasn't aware of that movie oh, yeah. scene. And uh, you know, again, you played the ghost just like Joshua Michael did. So that again, like you said, that'd be pretty cool to come back for that. It's not quite uh, coming back to life, but hey, it works. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. 
I was hoping that when he left and went over to the other show that he would keep being haunted by my ghost, but unfortunately yeah, that didn't happen. It's, it's not a ghost show. Uh, if it ever becomes one. No, no <laughs> he moved on from that. Yep. <laughs> You know, and you've done a lot of other work, too, and I just recently watched Christine. I had no idea about that story, and I worked in radio, and I'm, I was blown away by it. And you have a, you yeah. know, have a part in that movie as well. Uh, talk about working on that film, and to me, like, the most awkward phone call on screen I've ever seen. Like, when you were answering the phone, and you're just like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun shooting that scene. It's one of the few uh, moments in that entire movie when the audience gets to have a little bit of a, you know, Oh, it's laugh. so heavy, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a wonderful experience. Uh, a guy named Antonio Campos, I forgot the name of his production company. It's like he and two other cats, and when one's directing, the other two produce, and then they just kind of rotate through their their group. Um, I used to know, but I've forgotten. They they they've done some very interesting films. Antonio's got he's, he's he just came out with uh, the Devil all the time, um, which he tried like hell to get me a part in. I auditioned for like four or five different roles. But when I saw the movie, I'm like, yeah, he was right. He picked the right people. I was not the right guy for these parts, mm -hmm. um, which was disappointing. But, hey, he gave me a fair shot. Yeah, I remember I read for that, and I read for the guy that owns the gun store. Actually, that's the oh, part that right. they had me audition for. Okay. New Orleans actor, just fantastic cat, uh, beard, the whole – what the hell is his name? I, I'm getting too old. My names are slipping. <laughs> anyway, you can look him up. Yeah. He's like – dub it in later but he was great in that role and perfect for it and so but what's nice is antonio said i got the offer and they said you're playing mitch i'm like who the hell is mitch and they said well actually it's a pretty good role jason you're going to work for over a week and you got all these other scenes I'm like oh great there you go so uh, very very happy we shot that down in savannah uh got to work with uh, rebecca hall right another i mean she never great. would have believed in a million years that was going to happen and then what was even cooler is i got to work with jay smith cameron who plays my girlfriend who is the mother on Erectify. Ah, see, and it all comes full circle. We kind of knew each other and saw each other at lunch and stuff, but of course we never had a scene together because of Rectify's situation. So that was fun. I got and She's amazing, and her husband is um, uh, Kenny Lonergan, one of the greatest playwrights living in America right now. Got to meet him, and oh, it's just, it just such a great thing. And um, it was so much fun working on that. It was a tough shoot because it was a very low-budgeted project, and so we didn't have, like, fancy facilities or anything. We were just in, like, tents and a house and, you know. But I brought my wife down to Savannah. We rented a nice hotel room and stayed near the beach and uh, where we were on Tybee Island off of Savannah. Nice. And, and just had a wonderful time. I've never and been to Savannah. I've always wanted to go. I've heard great things. I've been to Atlanta, cool but never been to Savannah. Yeah, Savannah's a cool town, man. It's uh, Go for St. Patrick's Day. That's when it's, that's when it's crazy next year. Next year, um, right? <laughs> I've been a part of some really amazingly good movies, small roles, but 99 Homes, Christine, Thank You for Your Service, The Birth of a Nation, these films that I are just really wonderful movies. Not a lot of people have seen them, but I'm honored and proud to be a part of it, even in my small way, to be included in that cast. You know, as much as I'd love to have some small role in, you know, Ant-Man 3 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you in the Marvel Universe, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because that'd be a, an amazing paycheck, but it would never compare to the, you know, the level of, not that I'm not knocking Marvel, I love this. The whole, you know, I, I watch them way too much. I could <laughs> recite them practically, but it's not going to be that same experience you get working on a film like that. Um, 
like Christine. I'm glad you. Thanks for watching. That. Yeah, it's on Tubi. Anybody out there wants to go see it? It's it's on Tubi. Check it out. It's uh, it was on Netflix for quite some time as well. It might still be on Netflix. Okay, yeah, and it's got you know I'm yeah. a big fan of Dexter, so I saw Michael Hall on there as well. It's like that was an easy. Yeah, like, and he's you know, hilarious in it. Yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> um, I did. I met him. I didn't get to work with him. We just met briefly, but yeah, I mean. Such a, a great experience. Uh, that's a that's a tragic, tragic story. Let's not ruin it for the people. No, no, definitely uh, check it out. Especially if you haven't heard of what happens. Tragic watch true it. story that happened in 1974. Yeah, it has nothing to do with a, a haunted car chasing someone no. through a parking lot. <laughs> Which that's I like that movie, movie a lot. Stephen King. It's a fantastic yeah. horror film from well, the piece of trivia. Piece of trivia. The director of my first episode of Rectify was Keith Gordon, who plays uh, a young man. And Christine. Wow. How do you it think? all comes around, man. Yeah, full circle, man, just like Rectify <laughs> did. <laughs> and speaking yeah. of Marvel, you did work with Chadwick Boseman in 42 and talk about there's that scene at the gas station and uh, a really powerful movie, scene. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah, that, I mean, I, I'm going to, yeah, I get upset thinking about that. But, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, we didn't really hang out when we were hanging out that day, but we didn't have long conversations or anything because we were, you know, antagonist protagonist kind of thing and, and a lot of times people you know that are playing that in those roles don't want to just get all chummy so we didn't and i appreciate that andrew uh, uh garfield was the same way on 99 homes it's like i don't want to you know, i could tell he's like i don't want to hang out and be your buddy because we hate each other and in the movie it, at the rap party he couldn't have been nicer um yeah i mean when i saw that on the news i'm like what the fuck yeah that, what no no, because I was hoping to meet him again and work with him. Right. I actually did meet him another time. Real quick story: he was working on uh, Get On Up, and they were shooting that up in um, uh, Natchez, Mississippi, while I was working on Ninety Nine Homes. And uh, my best friend Jeff had flown in from Los Angeles to come and hang out with me in New Orleans, where we were working on that. My wife was in town hanging out, and we were having fun in New Orleans on my days off. And so Jeff knew the production designer, Mark Ricker, on Get On Up. He said, let's drive up to Natchez and go hang out with Ricker and uh, watch him shoot uh, a movie. They're shooting a big scene in a gymnasium. It was the Tammy show. So we drove up there, and we're and there's Chadwick, all dressed up as James Brown with that big yeah coming out the front. And so I went over, and I said, well, maybe he remembers me. And I went over and I said, Chadwick, Chadwick, hey, man, it's Jason. I was the, the gas station attendant at 42. He goes, oh, hey, man. He stayed in – I talked to James Brown that afternoon. Oh, he stayed in character. He, never, he stayed in, Yeah, he stayed in the voice. He stayed in the whole thing. He was practicing his dance moves. We talked for a minute, and it was like, good to see you, man. This is fantastic. We're going to watch, you know, have fun and, can't, you know – all right, man, let's see it. And that was it. And that was the last time I saw him. In a way, you met James Brown and Chadwick at the same time. That's pretty crazy. Because he was so, I mean, you, it was like James Brown when you watch that movie. It's it like amazing. he's James Brown. Yeah. yeah. I wish the movie had been better. Right. He was amazing in it. Uh, the movie was kind of a mess, but he was amazing in it. Yeah. Um, and I and I was looking forward to maybe running into him again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I know he's nominated for an Oscar. You know, we've, we've still got a lot of work of his to watch and uh, to remember him by. But yeah, it's just a tragic story. And but the way he, you know, he lived his life throughout all of it is uh, just commendable for for sure. It, yeah, that is that is a true true human being right there. Another movie I wanted to ask yeah. you about was uh, Mississippi Grind. Are you good at gambling or card playing? Is that something you do? Nope, not at all. Nope. Okay, <laughs> nope, nope. I can do it, but I'm not good at it. Right. Um, it's funny. We actually, uh, we, uh, I'm only in that movie for a minute, but um, I got to work with uh, Ben Mendelsohn and uh, Ryan Reynolds for a brief moment, and 
you know, because Ryan Reynolds was doing most of the talking during that. And actually, that monologue he does, if you've seen it, is twice as long. They cut it. Oh, really? They cut it? It was a long story. And that dude was on the money. I mean, he was just doing his thing. And it wasn't like he was ad-libbing. It was the script. And I had to interrupt at some point. And I was so bit, I was so mesmerized by him one time. He said, like, da 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 <laughs> And I'm just, he looks over. And he's like, don't leave me hanging, brother. I'm like, oh, shit. Sorry, man. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know. Cut, cut, cut. But um, we had a rehearsal for the card playing. Have you seen it? Seen Mississippi just, just bits and pieces, not the okay. full length of it. But We did all this rehearsal to get the card playing right. It ends up they never even shot the table showing our, you know, so it didn't matter. Right. But we needed it to flow. So we sat at a table with the directors, um, uh, Ryan Fleck and uh, Anna Bowden, and worked all the way through it. And all this detail about how we'd have our cards and when we would hit and when we would stay and when we would bet. I mean, it took a long time. And Mendelssohn is a huge card player. Okay. And he was getting a little bit miffed because we didn't know what we were doing. They ended up recasting somebody because they couldn't quite handle the cards. Wow. They, they put him in another role. They just they, they, they gave him another role and right. moved him out of that scene. And a fine actor just couldn't handle it. It's just the dealing with the cards. And um, so we had it all set up. Dealers here, da 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 we get on to, to set on the day, and they end up flipping everything up around. So now the dealer's over here and not over there, and it's like it's like it was a disaster. Oh, and the first two takes were a complete train wreck, and they couldn't get the air conditioning turned off. It was too loud, and we're in a real casino outside this glass window. There's people out there gambling right there. It's two in the morning on this riverboat uh, casino in, in New Orleans, and. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is just awful. It took two nights to shoot that scene. And and we shot, you know, you know, uh, all night uh-huh. into the morning. And it, oh, we, but once we got it going, it started working. Because whenever right. you shoot it around a table, you got to move the camera all the way around. Oh, it right. takes a long time to do that. But it was cool. It was a very cool experience. I'm glad I was part of that. It's a good movie. It's made in the old kind of 70s style. I like that. It was shot on... 35 millimeter too. Oh, that's awesome. Shot on film. That's yeah. definitely on the list. I've got to make, and a couple of Marvel guys, Ben Mendelsohn and Ryan Reynolds. So, you know, you're, you're right. indirectly right. working for Marvel, but not. <laughs> I, I'm like one, I'm like Kevin Bacon, one step away, man. One step away. <laughs> Who also was in an X-Men All movie. Down. So, <laughs> but speaking of uh, things you're good at, uh, learning to fly that, that was just a tremendous piece of work. You did uh, riding your motorcycle. And I think you said you're, you turned 50 years old and there you go. You're on that trek. Talk about yeah. that whole experience. I mean, anybody you know listening, definitely go check this out. It's it's amazing. Uh, just the scenery, just because I've never been to a lot of those places you went to. Yeah, I've never been to a lot of places I went to. Um, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I tell the story in the movie, so I won't bore you with that. But yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was going to be a five week trip on my bike by myself, except four days I spent uh, with a buddy, my buddy Jeff. I talked about him before. He lives in Los Angeles, and he at the time owned a cabin in Taos, New Mexico. So the only appointment I had to keep was to show up at that cabin at a certain point, and then um, we we were having my birthday party in Los Angeles, so I had to fly my wife out, and 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 you know I had to be in L.A. on a certain date. Other than that, I could be anywhere I wanted to, whenever I wanted to, and I planned a little bit. I, I really wanted to see Devil's Tower. I wanted to see Mount Rushmore. I wanted to go to Yellowstone, but other than that. There was no other agenda other than right. meet Jeff on this date because his birthday is around the same time, so we're celebrating both our birthdays, and then get to L.A. by a certain date, and then 
get back home before the weather turned and I ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> so the, la- the last week of the trip was the, the least fun of it because I was on the interstate the whole time. That's no fun. Right. You're not but really yeah, seeing anything. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just uh, get right. home, get home, get home. And, and it's funny because I had a, another uh, friend of mine at the time who said, Jason, we will gather money. We will ship your motorcycle back from Los Angeles and buy you a plane ticket. Why are you doing this? I'm like, I got to finish the trip. Man. Yeah. Got to finish the trip. Yeah. Six days of interstate and boring and hot. And I mean, it was, I, I made the most fun of it out that I could. But anyway, I had a little iPhone 5S. And I had a little mount for it on the handlebars so, so I could listen to tunes and use it for my uh, the you know, Google Maps right. to find my way. It, it never not worked. It always That's had a great. signal. Somehow, um, uh, there was a couple of spots where I was afraid I, I went off the asphalt on the dirt for a while in Wyoming. And I, and I, and I did lose signal. I happened to use like a, a map map. Um, uh, funny story about that. I had my map out one time and, and my I couldn't quite see what I wanted to see. And I reached down to the map and went tap tap. And I was like, oh, this is a piece of paper. It doesn't expand. Oh, tap on. <laughs> oh man, that's that's hilarious. Anyway, but it was great. I mean, I would say you know I I I, I didn't want to do more than I didn't want to I didn't want to ride more than like 150 miles a day. And I kind of mapped it out. It's like, all right, if I go all the way up here and all the way down here, it's going to be about 6,500, 7,000 miles. And if you divide that up by 35 days, you know, it's about 150 miles a day. Or actually, in, in four or five of those days, I didn't go anywhere. So 30 right. days, it's about, I don't know math, but it's like, you know, 100. That's all I got to do. How hard can that be? Sounds more reasonable when you um, put it like that, yeah. Yeah, and that's what, because I had a lot of motorcycle friends like, dude, dude. That Bonneville, it's not made for this. What are you doing? And you're putting all these boxes and all this camping gear on there. I mean, it's a tough little motorcycle, but, dude, your ass is going to be killing you. What are you doing? You know, there's mountains and <laughs> rivers and storms and shit between here and Off-road, there. Off-road, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's a carbureted motorcycle. It's not fuel-injected. You're going to run into altitude problems. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going, you know, and I don't have a windscreen. I was wearing a, an open-face helmet with goggles. I mean, I just was like, I'm going to just challenge myself. And I may end up, you know, a week out tucking tail and coming home. I don't know. And it was about the third, one, two, three, four, third or fourth, maybe, you know, in the middle of that first week, I was having doubts. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I was halfway halfway between Memphis and Topeka, you know, thinking, and it was cloudy and the wind was like screaming up out of the Gulf and just having to tack into the wind and, you know, just like this is, this is not fun. I'm in a wheat field. It's cold. But some, when I got to at some point, I turned north to go up to Topeka. The sun came out. The wind was at my back. And it was like, okay, if it stays like this, this is worth every minute. Yeah. And, and that's you know, that, that was kind of like the crossover point. Where I was like, okay, I'm in this. I got four and a half more weeks of this. Enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> and I did. And, and there were, you know, it, it was, I got really, really lucky with the weather. I got rained yeah, on. Yeah, I was going to say it looked like it was good weather for the most part. Miracle. I mean, the one time I was with Jeff, actually, and we got, we could see the rain because we're out in the, you know, the plains. It's like, all right, we pulled over. He already had his rain suit on. And I was like, it took me 10 minutes to get my rain suit on. By the time I got it on, of course, the rain had passed by. I'm right. Like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, 
the only other time I got caught in the rain, I mean, it was, I didn't get caught. I mean, it was, I was already, you know, had my tent set up and was camping. So I never got caught in any bad weather. It was cold coming out of Yellowstone going south. Uh, a, a front came in out of Canada and chased me all the way down to Colorado. And so for about three days, it was all I could do to stay warm. I think I had on all of my clothes. All of my clothes were on me. Oh, wow. And a heated vest and heated gloves, rain suit, as a, you know, everything. I had everything on, and I could go about, you know, 30 miles, and I'd have to get off and put my hand next to the engine just oh, to shake wow. it a little bit. But, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't raining. It wasn't right. snowing. It was just cold. It was 40-something degrees and, and cloudy, so nothing to warm you up. And I don't know if you've, you've have you ridden motorcycles? I've never done it. I I'd be scared to okay. try it, but I would always I've always wanted to. I've always envied people like yourself who can do well, it. But yeah, I mean the thing about it is, I mean when you're at fifty, sixty miles an hour, that's how fast the wind's blowing. So right. that's wind chill. And it, so it yeah, you get cold. Oh and God. I didn't have a big old Harley with a big screen up front to block the wind. I'm just in it. Yeah, what I wanted. And it, it you it felt was, all of uh, it. Yeah, but there was again. You feel it, you smell it, you hear it. You, you know, it's, just, it's it's awesome. It's a visceral, amazing experience. The bike was a champ. I never had a problem with it. I was going to ask uh, if you still have the bike and how it survived. Did it? I do. Yeah, I do. I was riding it last weekend. Yeah, and the funny the funny thing about that is, is that since that trip, I haven't really had as much fun on the bike as I because that was oh, kind of like right. this peak experience. Yeah. And every, nothing compares to that. Yeah, driving into the grocery and, store and doesn't have the same feeling, right? <laughs> no, no, or just, now, one thing about where I live down here in Georgia, the North Georgia Mountains and the Panhandle of North Carolina and, and Eastern Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains area and the Appalachians is like people from all around the world come to that part of the world to ride motorcycles. So I live in the in the playground of motorcycledom, but I just you know it's just okay, I'll go up, ride around, drag some pegs through the mountains, and it's fun. But I want to I want to take off on another trip. But trust me, I will not do it on that motorcycle. <laughs> Love my bike, but right. I, will, I will have something big and cushy. There you go. <laughs> uh, my ass was killing me that first week. I mean, just, you get on the bike, and, you know, it's like a bruise, and it's like, oh, and then yeah. you got to wait for the blood to squish out so oh, it's hurting. <laughs> so I got it down to where I would literally, I just, I would, I was, I was smoking cigarettes back then, and I would ride 35 miles, and that's when my ass would hurt too much, and I'd pull over wherever I was. Now, if I was close to a town, I'd pull on in, but if not, I'd just stop in the middle of nowhere. That's why you got all that, all that footage. Yeah. I'd just stop and get off the bike, smoke a cigarette, make some videos, make some pictures, and then get back on the bike and ride for another 35 miles. And, you know, I'd do that five times a day, and it was easy. Yeah, my Huffy that I've ridden around here on bike pass is not quite the same as what you probably dealt with no. in the in the butt department. Yeah, I really, I wish, you know, I, I thought in my in my in my naive mind, I thought I could just pull off the road and camp anywhere, but it's just the world's not like that anymore. Right. So I only camped in designated camp areas, and I stayed in Airbnbs and hotels half the time, you know, because after a while you're like, screw it, I want a shower. I want to drink, right. and I'm not. And I want to sleep in a bed. <laughs> and there were motel sixes and stuff like that. And every night, I stayed in a couple of nice hotels and spent some money a couple of times. But yeah, you know, I spent some money on that trip, you know, and rode about. The bike says I went seven thousand miles, but the speedometer on that Bonneville runs about five miles an hour fast. So oh, okay. I actually probably went about sixty-five hundred miles. But yeah, you could round it up. 
whatever. Yeah. yeah. I was so, going to ask you, my favorite part of it is like twice you drink Jack Daniels with Diet Coke and once at Coke Zero. Which one's better? Coke Zero or Diet Coke? <laughs> it's a mix of Jack Daniels. That was my main question from it. Neither one. That's why I went to drinking it straight out of the bottle after that. <laughs> now, it, it didn't matter. Just whatever cola flavor I could there get you in go. it. I mean, that's, it's funny. I always talk about you know bourbon and Coke. It smells like college. You know, oh, jeez. Like. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's what it is. Bourbon and Coke and rum and Coke, that's what I drank when I was in college because that's all I knew and that's all I you know, had the balls for. I didn't like beer, and you know, I would drink those when I went out. And so now whenever I drink it, every now and then I'll have a Jack and Coke, you know, just for old time's sake. It's like, ah, there you go. <laughs> the real fuel, uh, not, not just for yeah. the bike, but for yeah. you. And, of course, the yeah. last thing I'll say about the uh, – the documentary there was just the, the view of the Zion National Park in Utah. just amazing. And you, you end it with that. Like, hey, just so you know, here's some footage. Just watch this. <laughs> well, that was, it, you know, it's funny because when my friend Jeff and I hooked up in Taos, and we spent like three days hanging out in Taos, and it was his birthday. His birthday's earlier than mine. And so then we, he had his bike, and so we loaded all our gear up and took off. And he's, I said, Jeff, you know, uh, well, actually, it wasn't quite his birthday yet. I said, you know, this is my, you told me this is my trip. Go do whatever I want, and you'll just follow me. But when you're by yourself, you don't think about anybody else. And so even with that, him and he and I are best friends. Even with him saying that, I'm looking in the mirror the whole time. Does he want to stop? Does he, is he, is he, is he, you know, I'm thinking about him, which is a good thing, I guess. But it just changes the dynamic of the ride. Yeah. And I ride with other people all the time. But when you're by yourself, all you're doing is, you know, being safe, paying attention to cars and whatever, cows and all that sort of thing, and potholes. Uh, but when you got another person, you're also concerned about them as well. Um, so right. I said, he goes, I want to go to Bryce Canyon for my birthday. I want to wake up in Bryce Canyon on my birthday. And I said, all right, we'll do that. And so we made a, that's where we headed off to. It was, we were going out of our way, not straight, we weren't going straight to LA. And when we, we got there late in the day and all the campgrounds were full. And so we couldn't stay there. So we ended up staying in this little, we had a good time, but we stayed in this little roadside inn and went to Bryce Canyon the next day. Um, I don't, why am I telling you this? Because um, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So then, then, so then, then, so we did that. It was beautiful. Right. And he goes, well, he goes, where do you want to go next? And I said, well, you've been to Zion, right? He goes, yeah, I've been to Zion. It's amazing. I said, well, let's go somewhere that you haven't gone. And he goes, well, you know, we could go here. I've never, and I haven't been there. And I said, he goes, but you know what? You need to see Zion, Jason. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, let's go to Zion. We kind of made the decision together. And when we pulled into that place, it looks like Disney built it. Yeah. It doesn't look real. And I literally was just like, I'm filming this whole damn thing. This is just insane. And I don't know if you notice, I mean, basically I'm riding like this, you know, got the, I got my, my phone. Holding the phone the in front of you, like, right. I got this, this hand on the handlebar and I'm riding, shooting, you know, like this the whole time. And it worked really well. That, that st image stabilizer works really well on that thing. <laughs> and then I tap it back into the holder, you know, and um, I'm, I'm doing this like people can see me. But yeah, I got the phone in my left hand and my right hand on the throttle. And if I had to stop, I'd use the rear brake. And if I needed to really stop, I had to put the phone down because I had to pull the clutch in. But that place, yeah. If you get a chance, world, whoever hears this, you need to go to Zion. Yeah. 
it's well if you like if you like Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner, if you like the Roadrunner, yes, I do. You need to go to Zion because <laughs> that's where they shot it. <laughs> wow, that's where Wiley Coyote rams right into the uh, side of the mountain or whatever, right? <laughs> it's just it, it, there's a tunnel that's like a mile and a half long that was, you know, it's insane. It's just the the whole thing's insane. Now, on the other side of the coin, it was sacred American Indian place that we stole from them, so that sucks. Yeah, you know, go there and pay your respects to those you know people who came before us, but it's. Oh, breathtaking. breathtaking. Yeah. God, yeah. I, want, I was only, I was only there for an afternoon. I want to go back and spend some time there. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, just yeah. seeing your, your, your film, that that's the closest I got to going in there for the last year. Cause obviously we're all stuck in the house. So oh, you can cool, live man. through, you know, watch Jason's watch trip to the end. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, there's cool. some good music you put in there as well. So it's, yeah, it's really yeah. everybody listening. Please check it out. And yeah, it's on my short list now. I never thought I'd ever want to go to Utah. Now I do. <laughs> now I care. There you go. Utah is a beautiful place, man. Utah's a beautiful place. And up in the north in Park City, I've been there many, many times with Sundance and all that. It's Utah's a beautiful place. Yeah. You've got some strange ideas about religion out there, but you know what? It doesn't bother you. It, does, it does not, right. doesn't get in your way. You can have a really wonderful time. It's a beautiful place. There you go. And before I let you go, I'll ask you about teaching. You're, you're also a teacher, and you help the next generation of actors. How's that going, and how do you like doing that? Oh, so-so? <laughs> Yes, no, and I guess I'm hoping that I'm helping them. I don't know. Um, yeah, I started te- well, actually, right after that motorcycle trip, I decided I was making a decision about what to do with the rest of my life on that trip. And I, a good friend of mine named Rob Mello, Robert Mello, who teaches acting here in Atlanta, um, he said, Jason, you should teach. You have something you could offer people. You have experience. And, you, and I said, well, I don't. You know, he, he te- you, don't, you don't know what it, there's different methods in the acting world, and Robert teaches the Meisner method, or based on the Meisner method, as he would say it. Um, and he, I said, I'm a Strasbourg guy. He goes, great, come work at my school. You know, I'll rent you some space, and you can be the Strasbourg guy. I'll be the Meisner guy, and we can, you know, students can learn from both of them. Great. And I said, I don't know, man, I don't know. Uh, you know, he goes, you could get out of that blind and shade thing you're doing, and, you know. And, <laughs> there you go. You not have to. I don't. He didn't say that, but I said that to myself. And so I said, "All right, I tell you what." He he came to see me about a week before my trip. He goes, "I want to have lunch with you because you might die. So I want to say goodbye <laughs> and good luck. And if you, I want you to, you know, really think about this teaching thing and let me know what you think when you get back." I'm like, "I'm not going to die, Robert. Not this time, anyway. <laughs> Thank you for your support." And uh, he was joking, of course. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, and so I thought about it, and I thought about a lot of things in that trip. I came home and sold my house after a few years and got rid of a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't need that was just weighing me down. And my wife was all with it. And so we pared our life way down and it's like, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the back nine now. I'm like, you know, I'm on the 11th hole. It's time to start thinking about time left. I've got less birthdays coming than I've had. There's a lot of things that I've always said, okay, someday. And I'm like, the day is now. 
Yeah. It's now. And so I came back and I said, all right, I'm going to do this, Rob. And I started my first class with a few poor suffering people that helped me learn. <laughs> but I didn't, charge a whole, I didn't charge a whole lot. And now I've been teaching for six and a half years. The pandemic really screwed everything up, but uh, I do have classes right. now. I teach, I teach five classes a week, a maximum of six students. We socially distance and all that. And I think I'm helping some people, not everyone. It's, you know, not a, I'm not the right teacher for everyone. My style is not for everyone. And, the, and what I'm teaching is not for every actor. But most people that come in seem to get something from it. And some people I've been teaching for over four years now. Awesome. And I'm not really teaching them. I'm like, you know, we're working together at this point. You know, I'm just keeping them on track and providing them a place to come to the gym and work out. But I've discovered some new stuff by this guy named Nikolai Demidov. Uh, it's not that I discovered it. Somebody else kind of did. The book that the man wrote was not translated from Russian into, into English until 2016 and I got a hold of it and it's a whole lot of really interesting very simple amazing acting techniques that nobody's teaching here in Atlanta or much of anywhere in the United States and I, I took a course or two on it so I'm not like some guru on this I'm kind of <laughs> learning it while I'm teaching it yeah but everybody in my class seems to really now that we're kind of getting into it better and I'm getting better at helping them, and they're really, really digging it. So I'm teaching Strasburg and Nikolai Demidov and a little bit of Uta Hagen. I'm sure you have no idea what I'm talking no, about. No, I know Strasburg is a pitcher for the Nationals, but that's not who you're talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an actor. That's what I teach. I teach at a small studio in the Kirkwood area outside of Atlanta, and that's, that's it. I do that three days a week. That's awesome. Five classes during those three days, and yeah. Thanks for asking about that. No, of course. Yeah, I saw the testimonials on the uh, the link you sent, and you know, just it, it's got to be something to feel that you're giving back, and you know, one of these actors could end yeah. up, you know, getting I've a big gig sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always wondered. I thought people would always ask me, you know, if you weren't an actor, what would you do? I said, well, I'd either be a park ranger or a teacher. Oh, okay. There so, you go. Yeah. I mean, I would. I would. I think if I wasn't married, if I had never got married, never had kids or anything, I was just going to be a single the rest of my life and the acting thing just never happened to me, I probably would have ended up working like at Yellowstone eventually if I could get that gig, you know. But being a, I, I just, you know, guiding other people and being in nature. And uh, I've lost touch with nature here in the last six and a half years because of many other factors. But I really, I grew up, you know, camping and hunting and fishing, and I was an Eagle Scout and all that crap. Oh, wow. And I, I've got faith gotten away from a lot of that and that motorcycle trip was the last big thing i did and it's been too long i need to go back do another one of those something something i gotta do something and i i live in the city now and i love the city but you know the asphalt and concrete's getting a little get to me a little bit (laughs) i never got as far as eagle scout but i was a wee below for a while so that was I'm assuming a long they, way from Eagle Scout. Hey, yeah, you were there. I was yeah. there, right? Cub Scouts, Eagle Scouts had all the badges and everything, but uh, yeah. teenage life sort of sort of took over, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a tough trade-off. Uh, Jason Warder Smith, really appreciate your time, man. Anybody who wants to follow you, uh, you, if you want to give out your Twitter or Instagram, anything like that, or do you do cameo, anything like that, uh, fans can follow you and check up on you. Yes, yes, I am a C-list actor who you can pay to uh, say nice things to you or other people on Cameo. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, it's Jason, J-A-Y-S-O-N-W Smith. Um, It's pretty easy to find. On Facebook, it's just Jason Warner Smith. It's a a fan page that somebody 
nicely made for me and and every now and then I'll comment on there and put my initials by it but uh, yeah so that's that's the social media thing if you want to learn about me more intimately you can go to my website which is jasonsmith.com that's j-a-y-s-o-n smith.com that's awesome once again appreciate your time jason this was an honor having you on being a big walking dead nerd and you know the movies you've done as well and I got to get on watching the uh, Mississippi Grind. That's next on the list, so I'll definitely check that out. Check it out, man! It's a it's a it's it's a well made film for sure. Hey, Brought thank to you by the makers. They made Captain Marvel. Oh well, there you go. Directors. Hopefully, yep. we'll see Jason in one of these Marvel films sooner or later. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Really appreciate your time, dude. Thanks, Mark. Really an honor to talk to Jason Warner Smith on here. I mean, it's it's really cool to get a chance to talk to guys who've done TV shows and movies and music that I like. And uh, after doing this for two years, it's really been an, an honor and just gets me geeked to do this podcast every every time I do it. So thanks again to Jason. And a couple of quick things that we talked about in the interview there. Um, those of you who might not know the reference, Farrah Fawcett wore a red bikini in a poster that was very popular back in the day. I recommend everybody look it up. Just type in Fair Fawcett red bikini, red bathing suit, and you will find what we were talking about there as he compared himself to Fair Fawcett <laughs> being, being against Carl, who was the Michael Jackson of that episode that he got his demise in. And uh, yeah, Fair Fawcett poster, something a lot of people had on their wall. Uh, there were a lot of Michael Jackson posters too. I think I, I, think I might have had one. I, I'd have to think about it for a minute. I know I played Thriller to Death when it first came out, but I don't remember if I had a Michael Jackson poster or not. I'm not quite sure. And another thing, uh, his his documentary, Learning to Fly, I'll put a link on post about this episode, so definitely check out you know Infinite Banter on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I will post about it. You definitely need to watch it. For people like myself who hasn't been out of the state that I currently live in since you know a year and a half ago, it was a way to kind of feel like I went on vacation to watch somebody else do it, and it was a pretty cool experience. So definitely check that out. I have a link to that on my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and of course you could check it out on his website, JasonSmith.com. Hey, this is Josh Michael of Walking Dead fame. You don't know who I am. You're listening to Infinite Banter. Once you're done listening to Infinite Banter Podcast, make sure you go check out my friends over at the Dumb Found Dead Podcast. Do you enjoy dark comedy, puns, and laughter? If so, come join two good brothers, John and Patrick, as we discuss some of the craziest ways people die. That's so bizarre, strange, and borderline comical, that'll leave you dumbfounded. You can follow this podcast on all major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts. Spotify and many more and make sure to follow us on social media on Instagram at the dumb founded pod and on Twitter at TDFD pod and remember think ahead don't be dumb found dead hey what's going on everybody it's your man Vincent M. Ward aka Oscar from the number one show The Walking Dead and I'm here with my man Mark from Infinite Banter y'all better stay tuned peace so I said I had a cigarette story to talk about. So basically, my parents smoked when I grew up. They were smoking. They still do. I never smoked in my life, never smoked a cigarette. Wouldn't even know what to do. But uh, <laughs> recently, my mom asked me if I could get her a pack of cigarettes because she couldn't get out. And, you know, COVID and stuff, you know, it's a little tricky. So, you know, I'm not a fan of her smoking, but, you know, it's fine. I can do that. It's the least I can do. So, but only my own problem is, like, I don't know how to buy them. Like, what, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> obviously, I know you go to the counter and ask the dude, hey, can I get some cigarettes? But well, I actually shouldn't say like that because they probably think you're not really buying cigarettes. So they think you're probably buying it for somebody else, which is my problem because I don't know what she smokes. I don't know what they're called. 
and I didn't want to walk up there reading a phone like a you know reading the text. I was like, um, yeah, do I do you guys have new? You know, I don't want to look like I have, I'm not buying for me because it might look like I'm selling it to some kid or giving it to some kid or something. So I kind of had to practice it. I should have taken Jason Warner Smith's acting class. I could learn how to walk up to a counter and order cigarettes or buy a pack of cigarettes and look like someone who's done it before as opposed to someone who has no idea how to order these things. I keep saying order like it's food, buying them, <laughs> purchase a pack of cigarettes. So I think she, I already forgot what it's called. It's like Newport 100 menthol light somethings the good thing is you got the mask on so they can't really see that i'm probably half smiling while i'm saying this because i i, I, I want to laugh but I, I figured like maybe if i kind of do it in like a grizzled voice like a guy who smokes cigarettes maybe they would believe me better so i mean i'm really thinking way too much about this just tell you want to pack a cigarettes and get the hell out of there but i had to you know overanalyze it so much and it's like maybe if i do it like in a nick nolte voice you know oh hell let me get a Back of Newport 100s and uh, Zagnut for dinner. Yeah. <sighs> so that worked. So, you know, the guy didn't look at me twice. I, I said it. I felt like I didn't screw it up. I didn't want to be, I'm going to have a Newport uh, uh, 100s. Uh, some, oh, damn it. Because when I was a kid, see, I had a flashback when I was a little kid. They used to send us to the store to buy stickers with them all the time back in the 80s. And this was, this was not weird. This was something that happened. I grew up in Rogers Park, north side of Chicago, and they would actually sell cigarettes to kids if you had a note or you were telling them it was for your parents and they just believed you. I don't know why that was okay, but it was. And I remember one time my mom and her friend asked me to go to get cigarettes for her. Now, I knew my mom's back then because she smoked the same kind and I've done it a few times, but her friend smoked something called Marlboros. And I didn't know how to say it. I was like eight, all right? So, you know, give me a break. So I went up to the store and I ordered, let me get the Newports, whatever she wanted. And, uh, and I said, Marlboro. I couldn't say Marlboro. I think I was saying, I think the guy thought I was saying Molenbrow. She's like, I can't sell you that. That's beer. I'm like, uh, Mar, Mar, Mar. Why he didn't know that's what I was trying to say, I I have no idea. But he wouldn't sell it to me. So I went back and she was kind of teed off that I didn't have her cigarettes. And I'm like, yeah, he wouldn't sell me the Molenbrow, whatever. She's like, no, it's Marlboro. I'm like, well, you know, I'm eight. I shouldn't be going to the store to buy you cigarettes. So. It's just so stupid. I can't believe they let people do that. My grandpa used to send me to the store. He'd write a note, and it you couldn't even read any of it. It looked like I wrote it. And, you know, the, the guy would sell me cigarettes, and it was just it was just ridiculous. And he would send me out there with, like, change and a couple of wadded-up dollars, and I'd be getting him his pack of camel, you know, menthols. Or, I, don't, I don't know what this stuff's called because I don't buy it. So people who smoke cigarettes out there, you know, I feel your pain as far as like buying cigarettes and standing there. But yeah, just don't send kids to do it. But I don't think you could do that anymore. I'm assuming laws have gotten better where they don't let kids buy cigarettes anymore. I just couldn't believe I got away with it. And they would actually sell me cigarettes thinking. And they it always was. I mean, I was actually legitimately buying them for these other people. But I would imagine some kids could pull that off and go in the back of the alley and smoke their cigarettes and eat their now laters or whatever they were doing back in the 80s. So, all right. So, yeah, yeah. my tip for the day is if you're going to buy cigarettes with somebody and you don't know how to order them, you know, you don't smoke, try to do it like in a maybe a Sam Elliott or a Nick Nolte voice. Just sound more more tough, more grizzled. So it sounds like you are a smoker. Maybe be easier for you. Uh, if you're a woman, I don't know who. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen Turner, maybe. <laughs> maybe you do a Kathleen Turner voice. So, all right. Uh, that that's That's my flashback and story of buying cigarettes because I have no idea how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already know who it is. King. It's your boy, Eddie Kane, man. I'm with DJ Soundwave. Don't play yourself, man. You tuned in the Infinite Banner Podcast. Stay locked. You know the best is here, baby. Yeah. 
Time for you to leave, assholes. That is Kirk Acevedo telling me it is time to go, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. And by the way, that clip you just heard that I play on the show every time when it's time to leave, uh, that's from Walker Stalker Con when I met Kirk Acevedo. Wow, this is like 2019. Feels like <laughs> eons ago, but uh, that's a line from The Walking Dead. So since this is a Walking Dead featured episode, maybe you guys want to go back and check out that. I think it was like two or three minutes I got to talk to him at his table at the Walker Stalker Con. You can go back and hear in context what he was talking about, but many Walking Dead fans remember that's when he's in the tank and they're trying to take over Rick's prison and uh yeah Kirk Acevedo's character is uh, not nice he's telling him it's time to get the hell out of there so time for you to leave asshole and that's what I'm gonna do so thanks again to Jason Warner Smith go check him out at jasonsmith.com that's j-a-y-s-o-n check out his cameo follow him on Twitter he's a really good follow on Twitter let's get him into a Marvel movie come on Marvel Disney, if you're listening, let's get him in one of these movies, maybe the next Captain Marvel or something. It definitely was fun to talk to Jason, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of his stuff and future works he does. And and I'll post, you know, where to find his website and learning to fly and everything and how to follow Jason. So definitely follow me on all digital platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Infinite Banter Podcast. You can even bother me personally at DJ Soundwave 75. Doesn't matter to me. Listen to the show on all digital platforms, the usual places, Spotify, iTunes, now run Good Pods, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and go on YouTube, type in Infinite Banter and hear clips from past guests and they will have links to those full episodes. Before I go, just wanted to mention, yeah, The Walking Dead is back. Only a couple more episodes in this little mini in-between 10 and 11 season going on. And uh, I mentioned the last episode that I really liked how it was like a Predator episode. The one with Aaron and Gabriel was pretty cool because it reminded me of Deer Hunter with the Russian roulette. And had Robert Patrick guest star on that one playing two different characters. A little reference to Predator again, you know, in that one. Spoiler here, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Aaron kills a, a wild boar. And just like in Predator, he thinks it's a killer and it's a boar. And in Predator, Bill Duke's character, Mac, ends up killing a boar thinking it's the Predator. So, reminded me a lot of that. And of course, Gabriel's character falls into the mud, has it all over his face, can't see him, just like in Predator. I'm just a Predator nerd, everything's Predator, so I'll find a way to connect it. (laughs) I'm a weirdo like that. And of course, we got the rom-com. Daryl finally, uh, I I believe he got some, unless it was like a a weird dream or something. But a rom-com with Daryl, the closest thing you'll ever get to a rom-com on this show. So, uh, yeah, love Walking Dead. Glad it's still on. Going to get some spinoffs coming up here. I know a lot of people have jumped off, but I am still here. And once again, thanks to my man Jason Warner-Smith. Go check him out at jasonsmith.com. That's it for the show. Appreciate everybody for listening. Until I do the next one, I'm out. Hey, asshole, get off the road. Being on the Infinite Banner with my man Mark has been a pleasure.